if you can just be, that doesn't mean we're not striving for success. However, we're striving, I think, to be the best we can be at the moment in time that we are. And sometimes we're going to be better than others. That's okay. You know, that self-acceptance and knowing that sometimes we just need a day or two, I say a day or two under the covers, and then we decide, okay, it's time to get up and take a shower because we can't stand our own smell. And so then it's time to get up and get moving again, but allowing ourselves to have that day or two under the covers, that day or two of not being our ideal, that day or two of giving ourselves the respite that we need and the oxygen that we need to just breathe and recharge and then go back out into the world. Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I am your host, Stacey Francis. And today we're going to be speaking with Randy Heller, who has a doctorate in family therapy. She's spent the last three decades working with women like you and families going through divorce as a licensed mental health counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, as well as certified Supreme Court family mediator. She has so many skills and tools. And I have to tell you, I hope that you are ready to receive because Dr. Heller lays it all out on the line. She talks about the struggle with the juggle of getting through the holidays and starting the new year off, helping us stay in balance and deal with the demands of your life, giving you tricks, tips, and most importantly, a action plan, an action plan to make 2022 the best year ever. Make sure you stay to the end because she gives a three-step point where she gives you the top things you need to be doing, tools to stop judging yourself and allowing ourselves to be imperfect. Number two, how to stay present using breathing exercises, particularly in times of significant stress. And number three, being a good delegator, understanding what you need, and also making sure that you have the support so that you do have time to have self-care so that you can care for others. Without further ado, please help me welcome our guest today, Dr. Randy Heller, here as our podcast guest, who is going to be talking everything you need to know to have the best 2022 and beyond. It's great to have you here, Dr. Heller. Today, we're going to be talking about something that is near and dear to my heart. I feel like as women, we all struggle with this, the struggle with the juggle. We'll talk a little bit more about what you mean by that, but I'd love to welcome you. If you want to just say hi, maybe talk a little bit more about what you do and your role, particularly working with women who might be going through divorce or 
thinking about possibly a separation. Yeah. So Stacy, thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. I I realize that this is going to be aired right after the holidays. And I know that this is a time we're all starting, you know, we just began Hanukkah. Now we're going from Thanksgiving right into Hanukkah, right into the Christmas season and then the New Year's season. And it's a double-edged sword for people who are going through divorce. There's celebrations to be had. And then there's a lot of loneliness and isolation and fear and separation. And I've been working just to go back, circling back. I've been working with people transitioning through divorce for about 30 years now. So I'm dating myself a little bit, but I'm also talking about transitions in my own life and in the lives of the people who cross my path. I just finished writing a blog called Why We Do What We Do, and that will tell you a little bit about me and my journey and what brings me here and brings the passion with me for the work that I do. So truth be told, I come from a legacy of divorce, dating back to my grandparents, where that was a time when people didn't get divorced, but they were separated. Both actually my great grandparents on my father's side and my grandparents on my mother's side. And as happens with these families, you know, the cycle of divorce tends to perpetuate itself. So my parents married and they began, you know, in love as we all do when we get married and decide to be together for what we think is going to be forever. And then they emerged as a very, very high conflict couple. So my home would have been referred to as, you know, home where there was domestic violence, where there was a lot of high conflict, anger, resentments, and a lot of fear. And so, you know, I remember early on in my life, walking to school, I can't tell you exactly when it was, how old I was, but somewhere around eight or 10, leaving the house after there was a conflict and saying to myself, I'm going to move beyond this. And somewhere inside of me, there was this instinct, I'm going to help other people to do it too. And I think as I grew, I just decided I'm going to help other people because at that time when my parents divorced, I was grateful that they decided to divorce because maybe there would be no more conflict. Maybe there would be peace. Also, though, there was a lot of fear. I didn't know who to love. I didn't know who was going to care for me. I didn't know who I should care for. I was torn in the middle. And at that time, there was really nobody to talk to about that kind of thing. It was in the late 70s. People were just starting to get divorced. My parents were the first on the street. And I tell it glibly now, there was like a domino effect. Then everybody else said, okay, we can do this too now. And the whole street ended up getting divorced. I remember getting on the school bus and thinking, oh no, are people going to be able to tell? There was embarrassment, there was shame. Where now the upside of divorce is that kids can look to their left and look to their right, unfortunately because of the statistics, but they see that they're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. So I began a journey of dedication to helping families to transition through divorce, helping people to transition through divorce in the most peaceful and amicable way that they can growing through the divorce transition process and learning that there's life on the other side and learning to find peace within themselves and with each other so that the kids of divorce aren't living in this cycle of hatred and anger and resentments. So that really began, you know, my intention in helping families. I ended up writing my doctoral dissertation on families transitioning through divorce. And I teach a course to graduate students who are going to be therapists, master's and doctoral students at Nova Southeastern University in Florida. 
on transitioning peacefully through divorce and what everybody needs, men, women, children, families, what they need to be able to do it as successfully as possible. And in divorce, there's a juggle. There's a struggle and there's a juggle. There's a juggle between our own feelings and the needs and feelings of others. There's a struggle with managing our fears, our angst, our concerns, our, the unknown, all of that. I so appreciate you sharing your journey and your story because you've lived this. You know, you've lived this and you've worked with hundreds of individuals going through this process. And you talk about struggle with the juggle. And I would love to dive into that even more so because while the holidays, um, Hanukkah, Christmas, celebrating New Year, the New Year, can bring a lot of goodness, I think it can also be the most stressful time of the year too. Oh. And then, you know, layering on top of that, going through a divorce and having a, a new way of experiencing this time of year and these holidays. What do you see the women that you're working with going through the divorce process struggle with? Yeah. So I mentioned fear earlier. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. Again, it's fear of the unknown. It's fear of, am I going to be alone forever? It's fear of, can I manage being alone? I, you know, m- many of these women particularly have never been alone. They've gone from their parents' homes to maybe college, you know, where they're surrounded by fun and friends and academia, et cetera. And then they get married. Although people are getting married a little bit later, I think the trajectory is still pretty much the same. And so many people have never really been on their own and are yeah. uncertain that they can. And, you know, there's a whole philosophy out there that, you know, you have to be good with yourself, which is true, before you can be good with someone else and you have to learn to live independently and alone. I think there's some truth in that. There's a lot of truth in that. And I also think that people are relational beings and meant to be in relationship. And so long can be very, very scary and very daunting. Additionally, let's not forget a lot of these people have to share their children in divorce or choose, should choose to share their children in divorce. But that's hard. I remember when I went through my divorce and I had to share my daughter and I knew that that was good for her. And I knew that that was what she needed. I was so sad to have to hand her over and I say have to, but want to have to kind yeah, of, all those you know, juxtaposing there, right? Yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. So I had to learn how to be with me. And that's part of what I want to help women with when I talk to them about struggling with the drug juggle, learning how to be with you. And then you're good with others, for sure. I always have struggled with this question of being with me and being okay with that. But then also you know, after coming out of a relationship that could be five years of your life, 10 years of your life, many decades of your life, all of a sudden being with just you feels not natural. It doesn't feel natural. And, you know, you hear all these things, you know, work on yourself, work on who you want to be, the person you want to be. But it feels very daunting. It feels really daunting and almost like, okay, how to be alone with just me, how to continue to develop and work myself, work on myself. And that just feels like a lot of great advice that in reality, (laughs) how the hell do you actually really do that? It's a wonderful question and very well said because 
what happens, I think, as we become, whether it's, you know, beginning with student, a student and then, well, you first you're a child. So you have expectations from someone else. Then you're a student. You have expectations from someone else. Then maybe a life partner, then a mother or father, but we're focusing particularly on women today. So you're a mother and then, you know, and you're a friend and you have all these roles that you play. And I think there are times when we kind of lose ourselves in all of those roles, because that is who we become. When we're mothering, we become a mother. When we're partnering, we become a partner. So, you know, where is the person, the woman in all of that? And I think a key factor is how do we want to be in all of those situations? Not how do we want to present but how do we want to be? And I think a lot of what I talk to women about, people, is being present and being mindful of how do we want to show up in the world? How do we want to be seen? Again, not from this perspective of, okay, I'm going to be this imposter and I'm going to go out into the world and present as a certain person. I think a lot of the angst that people experience is the incongruence between how they're presenting in the world and how they really feel inside. So a lot of what I try to help women with is becoming more congruent with those two ideas, how we're presenting and how we really want to be. So a good example of that is people will say to me often, what do you do for work? So I used to say, I am a therapist. Now I say I work as a therapist because I am a therapist implies that that's all there is to me. And there's so much more to me. So those parts of me contribute to my being a therapist, but it's not all of who I am, right? So I'm a therapist. I'm a mom. I'm a grandma. I love being all of those things. And I'm a woman who is navigating, moving through the world every single day. You know, we talk about where we want to end up. And I talk about where our continued work in progress, a continued work in progress. And every day is a new opportunity to become and show up in the world how we want to be. You know, in today's society, we're driven towards success. We've always been driven towards success and doing the best we can and being the best we can be. There's high expectations out there of ourselves. And we also have high expectations of others. Sometimes that in and of itself can be very daunting. And sometimes I just say, if you can just be, that doesn't mean we're not striving for success. However, we're striving, I think, to be the best we can be at the moment in time that we are. And sometimes we're going to be better than others. That's okay. You know, that self-acceptance and knowing that sometimes we just need a day or two, I say a day or two under the covers, and then we decide, okay, it's time to get up and take a shower because we can't stand our own smell. And so then it's time to get up and get moving again, but allowing ourselves to have that day or two under the cover, yeah. that day or two of not being our ideal, that day or yeah. two of giving ourselves the respite that we need and the oxygen that we need to just breathe and recharge and then go back out into the world and meet our own expectations. Yeah. I love how you talk about it's almost giving permission to just do the best you can and not be perfect. And I feel like as women, we have such high, high expectations. And I feel like we almost beat ourselves up. Yeah. 
for taking those downtimes. There, there was a couple weeks this year where on the weekend, I was just so shattered from the week. And I love my job, but I was so shattered that literally I just had no energy to do anything except watch Netflix. Okay? <laughs> and, and I have two kids. I have two kids and I'm sitting on the couch watching reruns, Netflix going, Stace, you know, get your crap together. You need to get up and make breakfast and do all this stuff. And ultimately I realized there's a reason why I feel like crap. Yeah. Right. right. Because I'm pushing myself so hard. I'm not giving myself any permission to rest. And ultimately, you know, having this cycle where you're going at a million miles an hour and then you collapse and then you get back up and you go at a million miles an hour and then you collapse. And just knowing that every day we're going to do our best, but you know what? There are some days that you're going to be on the top of your game. There are going to be some days that you're not. And it's interesting. A lot of people ask me, why would you talk about some of these topics that we're talking about on a podcast about finances, financially ever after? But it's so interesting, Dr. Heller, and and this is where the parallels come into play, that that same striving for perfection and that same not giving ourselves space, it really parlays into how we deal with our finances too, right? And what we tell ourselves that we should be doing, how much we should be saving, what we shouldn't be spending or what we should be spending it on or not spending it on. And and I think that one of the words that really, really comes to mind is judging. Like yeah. judge, yeah. we judge ourselves. We judge ourselves not only with how we are as a woman and in our relationships at work or, or all the different places in our life, but we also judge ourselves pretty, pretty difficult, pretty darn meanly about how we spend our money. And we'd never ever judge a friend this way. Right. We would never do that to a friend, but we do it to ourselves. Right. And I'm going to circle back to what you said about your Saturday afternoon watching Netflix. So the best part about that is that when you do that, you give yourself an opportunity to recharge. You know, it's like we can't drive a car without gas in it. You know, we can't think. I tell clients this all the time. We can't think without oxygen in our brain. And when we're exhausted and we're not breathing because we're running around all over the place and doing a million things all at the same time or trying to, and that's the juggle I talk about, trying to do a million things all at the same time, we can't think clearly. So whether we're talking about money and how we're spending it, how we're saving it, how we're needing it or what we're going to do without it, whatever, all of those thoughts are not allowing us to think clearly. You know, share I what probably isn't an unfamiliar story to anyone, but I remember it happening to me. I was going through my own divorce and I had a four-month-old baby. And I was flying to California to see my parents and first time in an airplane with my new baby. And I remember the flight attendant doing her thing. Now my daughter is 32 now, so that was a long time ago. So the flight attendant is doing her thing and she happens to be standing right next to me and she's doing her thing about the oxygen and the safety belt, et cetera, et cetera. And I hear her out of one ear saying to me or saying to the airplane filled with passengers, she said, now, if we drop the oxygen masks, you need to, and you're an adult, you need to put the oxygen mask on yourself 
before you put it on anyone else, even if you're traveling with a minor child. And I remember grabbing her skirt because she was right next to me on the aisle. And I grabbed her skirt and I said, excuse me, excuse me. I was a young mother, very naive. I said, did you say that I should put the oxygen mask on myself before I put it on my minor child? This is my baby. And she said, she looked down at me and she said, yes, ma'am. And if you don't take care of yourself, who's going to take care of your baby? And I always thought that that was my story. I heard it on Oprah years later, but it was truly my story. And it taught me something. So as I said, struggling with the juggle, I was a mother with a four-month-old baby, trying to work, trying to manage life. And I realized that instead of cleaning my house when she went to sleep at four months old, I needed to rest too, because Better Homes and Gardens wasn't coming to take photos. And I needed to, <laughs> and I needed to take care of myself so that I could take care of her. Yeah. I needed to give myself oxygen. I needed to be able to have the energy to be present with her because she was really the most important thing in my life. And then everything else would fall into place, but nothing would fall into place if I didn't have the energy and I didn't have the oxygen. So I talk about particularly women going through divorce. You know, they've come out of a time where they feel like maybe they failed. Maybe somebody didn't want them. They're questioning themselves. They're struggling with self-confidence. I mentioned they live in what they call this imposter syndrome, like someone's going to find them out. So they have to keep proving themselves. And if they, you know, thinking about the metaphor of juggling, if they drop one ball, everything's just going to drop and they're just going to fall apart all over the place. They live in fear. They have self-doubt. There's this vicious cycle happening, you know, fear and self-doubt. And then we're fighting it and it's hard to manage. And then there's more fear and there's more Mm self-doubt. So I say to people, you just have to stop. When you're in that web, that web of fear, you just have to stop. I'm going to give you one more metaphor that's coming to mind. The other day, it was Thanksgiving. I'm new in the city and I was heading for Grand Central because I was going to Connecticut to see my kids. So I leave Midtown early in the morning and I'm walking through the streets. I knew the Thanksgiving Day Parade was coming because I always, always wanted to watch it. I watched it as a kid all my life growing up. I watched it with my own daughter. But I thought I was leaving the city early enough to get to the train. So I'm walking toward Fifth Avenue and all of a sudden the parade starts and I'm on Avenue of the Americas and the parade starts and I'm in a, I'm literally in a gridlock. I'm in a gridlock of people and parade and barricades and police. And I couldn't go forward toward the train and I couldn't go backward toward my apartment. There was just nowhere to move. And I started to get really anxious and I was in a mass of people and I wanted to get to Connecticut to be with my family. And I said to myself, just stop, just stop, just breathe. So I found myself a little corner. I stopped. I had literally, I had a suitcase. I had my dog. I had Thanksgiving pies. I had, I had hands full and I was in a gridlock. And I said to myself, just stop and just breathe and you will find your way. So the first thing I did, which is a tip and a trick when I talk to people about, okay, what do you do when you're in the mass of chaos in your head? Just stop and breathe. Because if you stop and breathe, then you can think. And so I did. I found myself a quiet place and I breathed and I looked around me and I was able to see some opening in the gridlock, some opening in the barricade, at least to get me to a police officer to ask him, how do I get to the other side? 
which is a great metaphor of divorce, right? It is. Oh my gosh. How do we get to the other side? What do we need to do and what needs to be in place? So one of the other tips that I teach clients about is I myself do a lot of yoga and a lot of meditation. And I use yoga all the time as a metaphor, because when you're in a yoga pose, for any of you listeners out there who do yoga or know anything about yoga, when you're in a yoga pose, if you're not focused on what you're doing at the moment, you're going to fall. You are going to fall. And so it's about using your breath. It's about paying attention to where you are. It's not about paying attention to what you're going to have for lunch or what you're going to do next or what the next financial crisis is or what the next emotional crisis is. It's about focusing where you are, gathering your strength, gathering your thoughts, bringing them back to center, and then you don't fall. Then you don't fall. Then you really find your way. And that's a lot of what I teach people. It's about breathing fit. So Dr. Heller, we're coming up to the end, but I have one more question if you don't mind. You know, we're starting a new year. What would you recommend to women as far as taking all of this advice, everything that we spoke about today, some of the tools and tips that you also shared, particularly with breathing, and how do we move into this new year with embracing this moving forward and, as you mentioned, getting across to the other side of that parade? Yeah. What would you recommend? Yeah. So there's a number of things and they're all tied together. So for one, it's about letting yourself be imperfect. That's key. Allowing yourself, it's self-acceptance, allowing yourself to be imperfect. And then you'll start seeing that the imperfections of others don't trouble you so much as, as they did before. That's first and foremost, I think. And that's, that's a journey in and of itself, right? There's a book out. It's a little book, and I recommend it to everyone. It's called The Art of Imperfection. And it teaches you that it's okay to be imperfect. So that's number one. Even in yoga, they tell you not to compare yourself to the person next to you. They tell you to just be your best and do your best and stay focused. So that's the next thing. Stay focused on one task at a time, one activity at a time, one person at a time. And then you can more readily ensure that that activity is going to be done well. If you think about even our best computers, our best computers can only function, they can only do one function at a time. The best of the best of computers only do one function at a time. Staying present, staying present where you are and who you're with and what's going on right in front of you. Because if you worry about all the what ifs, I've written an article about this. If you worry about the what ifs, then you miss what is. So the title of my article is called What If You Miss What Is? So if you are worrying about what if, you miss what is right in front of you so that your child smiling at you a certain way, the sunrise, the sunset, the beauty that's really all around us, even in the midst of the chaos. And if you stay present, for me, it empowers me with a a sense of myself. You asked me earlier, how do you find myself? Okay, so myself is really enjoying that connection I have to whatever is right in front of me at the moment and appreciating that connection. There are times where I'm not appreciating that connection. Then I decide, okay, what do I want to keep? And what do I want to change? But I can't know any of that if I'm not present. So that's one. The other is to be a good delegator. There's no harm in asking for help. There's no harm in delegating 
yep. to others. And there's also no harm in looking at someone who already has achieved something that you would like to achieve and emulate mm-hmm. that, right? So mm-hmm. your clients come to you, Stacy, because you've been successful in your business. You're successful in finance. So they want to learn from you, right? They want to not be you, but they want to learn from you how to be their best financial self. Same thing with me. My clients come to me and they want to learn from me, not be me, but learn from me how to be their best emotional and relational self. So there's no harm in finding a mentor, finding a coach, getting with someone who guides you to be where you want to be and help you explore. How do I want to show up in the world? Then you're not so frightened anymore right? Then you feel a sense of, okay, I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to put the pieces together. But remember what I said about being a work in progress. The other thing that I haven't mentioned, and I've kind of implied throughout, we have to be kind to ourselves. You said something earlier about beating ourselves up with all of those shoulds. You know, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, there was a saying that when we worry about all the shoulds, we wind up shitting all over ourselves. And that's not good. There's nothing good about that. And so we really, really have to focus on, okay, what can we do? What are we able to do today? What can we manage today? And celebrating those accomplishments. And then there's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. So to me, that, that's, really, that's really key. So meditation, mindfulness, finding peace, exercising, good nutrition, getting sleep, getting rest all the things you talked about, and finding a balance in all of that. We're not sleeping for a week. We might be sleeping for a day. We're not doing yoga all day long. We may be doing it for an hour. We're not ignoring our children. We're just not focusing on them 24-7 because they need their independence from us and we need their independence, our independence from them. So it's a balance. And I think that's how we manage the juggle with balance. Can you share how our listeners can get a hold of you to learn more about possibly working with you, if you want to share your website as well. And just for everyone listening, Randy works with individuals all over the country and is licensed, particularly in New York, Connecticut, as well as Florida, which is wonderful since so many people go back and forth. But do you want to share your website and some great contact information? Sure. So you could reach me at either 954-236-4490. That's my Florida office number or 646-717-6718. That's my New York office number. Also can you know be reached on any of those numbers, New York, Florida, Connecticut, or anywhere else. My website is www.familynetworkflorida.com and also familynetworknewyork.com, familynetworkconnecticut.com. So any of those websites you can reach Perfect. me. And most right. importantly is, you know, just know that Self-care is not being selfish. There are, those are very, you know, two very different terms. But if you don't mm-hmm. care for yourself, there's no way that you can manage and care for others. So that should be your best, your best start to the new year. So how am I going to care for myself? Could not have given better parting advice. And self-care is not selfish. And how can we care for ourselves starting this new year to make it the best year possible? I know we all want that, but we all want that. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Heller, for joining us today at Financially Ever After. And for all of you listening, we will be sure to include Dr. Heller's two phone numbers as well as links to the three websites. 
the book that she mentioned, The Art of Imperfection, I actually have read myself. I listened to it as an audio book and I listened while I was driving. Can I tell you, it is so good. I've actually listened to it a few times throughout my career and I highly, highly recommend it. So all of you, we will be sure to put a link to the Art of Imperfection as well right there in the show notes and some more resources for you. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Oh, thank Heller. Thank you so much for having me. And I wish you all peaceful holidays. Don't expect them to be easy, just peaceful. Yeah, exactly. And find your joy wherever you can and a good start to the new year. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. There are so many takeaways from our podcast today, but the one that really stands out to me, I think you're not going to be really surprised by this, but how self-care of, our, of ourselves as women is so closely linked to also self-care of our finances. Going through the divorce process, there are so many things to think about and so many decisions to make. And a lot of them are around the finances. And whether we like it or not, the decisions we make now will impact you not only for the next few years, but for the rest of your life. Just as you would never go into a major surgery without getting a second opinion, I encourage you to get a second opinion about your settlement to make sure that it sets you up, puts you on track for financial security and answers questions that you might have about long-term decisions regarding your finances. At Francis Financial, we work with many individuals that are going through divorce and have fantastic resources, insight, and advice that can put you on the track to having long-term financial security. You can reach me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. And you can also visit our website at www.francisfinancial.com. Thank you for joining us for Financially Ever After, and we'll be talking to you in two weeks.